Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Completely Unqualified and Yet Incredibly Opinionated. I am Carrie Urban here with my co-host Victoria Asher. Hello. And today we got a good one for you. Two of my friends, Rob Thomas and Marisol Thomas, are joining us to help give some advice for your dilemmas. We've got a couple really interesting ones today. I'm excited for you guys to hear. Um, so Vic, how's your week going? What's What's been going on? I mean, we just had Valentine's Day, so uh, was love in the air for you? Yes, I am a big, big supporter of Valentine's Day. So for me, I it's always a day that I look forward to. <laughs> Whereas my heart is made of stone and I do not care at all. <laughs> I could care less. My my uh, four-year-old daughter was like, oh, mommy, it's Valentine's Day. I made you this Valentine. And I was like, cute. <laughs> no, it actually was really sweet. It said, I love you. And then it said, mom. And I was like, what? What did you mean? And I was like, oh, did you mean for mommy and daddy? And she's like, no, I don't love daddy. Because she's in this whole like, no, I only love mommy phase. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's so – don't tell your daddy that. That's so mean. But I secretly <laughs> love it. I'm like, yeah, I'm the best. I'm your favorite. And she's like – she told her daddy – this is so terrible. She told him one night, she goes, I don't love you anymore because you have a beard. And he was like, what? Oh I have a God. beard. I know. Well, at least she didn't say it to you. <laughs> I don't have a beard. I shave my shit. Can you imagine? <laughs> that's, like just, that's the thing that's scary about kids is that they'll just like point out like the stuff that you try to hide. Obviously, you do not have a beard, but I'm just saying that, you know, all of us, every girl has had the random stray hair or hairs oh, yeah. that pop out and you're just like, really? Come on. Really, dude? Like, do, do I, I really need to have these hairs that just sprout out? And um, and just leave it up to kids to just be like, oh, look, you got like a black hair on your chin or whatever. Oh, Violet will tell me anything. She'll If I have like any spots or anything, she'll be like, mommy, what's on your face? <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. We to, The only way to get her like to shower is to just take a shower with her. It's the easiest thing to do. My uh, parents did it with me. Lots of parents shower with their kids. Yeah, it's same. not sexual. It's yeah. just what you do. Um, There's nothing wrong with the people that think that that's sexual. <laughs> seriously. I'm like, I have to bathe my child. It's my chance to have a shower. I'm going to take a shower. So Gray was also showering her at one point. And she, we were kind of like, hey, are, how are we going to know when the time is that it's like inappropriate for a dad to shower with his daughter, like whatever. And we found out. It's when your kid comments on something like about your naked body. So she said to him, she goes, dad, I don't want to see your butt. And we're like, what? But she meant because she calls the booty like the front, like the part, like not your butt, but like your boot. Like she's like, I don't want to see your butt and your booty. And we're like, oh my god. So she's talking about his like boy parts, right? Yeah, his, his manliness. She was uh, like, I don't want to see that. And so he was like, okay, time to stop showering. With her. <laughs> I don't. That's wanna, amazing. I know. So he was like, do I wear like underwear? I was like, there's no point in wearing underwear and taking a shower. Like this is ridiculous. <laughs> so. I still shower with her and she'll make comments. She'll be like, mommy, your butt's squishy. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Apparently when I was a kid, uh, when we would like bathe and stuff like that, I said to my mom, I said, I was like, 
when do I get hair down there? Oh my god! Yeah, I used kids. to take uh, I used to take baths with Violet a lot because she loves to take a bath. Kids love baths. But then I started getting UTIs a lot. This is TMI. But mm-hmm. I started getting UTIs, and my doctor was like, "Hey, you probably shouldn't be taking a bath, much less like with another person. It's just not like healthy because of the germs and everything and the bacteria." Oh, so right. yeah, anything any introduction of bacteria into that area, if you're prone to UTIs, is not good. So my doctor actually did tell me like, hey, maybe like don't take a bath for a while because I had to go back on antibiotics again for like another UTI. Uh-huh. And um, I so I told Violet, I was like, hey, so my doctor said, you know, I can't because of this and that and blah, blah, blah. And she like, all that she got was this from this was like, oh, your booty hurts. <laughs> so now she'll be like, Mommy, does your booty still hurt? Can you not take a bath with me? And I'm like, no, honey, the doctor said I can't. And I try and explain it in like the right time. She'll be like, your doctor said your booty still hurts. And I'm like, oh, my God, kids. So to Violet, she's probably going to school and telling everyone, oh, my mom can't take a bath because her booty hurts. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> whatever oh you want to think. <laughs> when, so when we're showering, she'll be, like, looking at me, and she'll go, Mommy, does your booty still hurt? Where is it? Is that? And I'll be like, oh, it's on the inside. And she'll be like, I want to see. No. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's not ours. <laughs> she just oh wants my to see God. everything. I know. It's ridiculous. I'm like, well, oh whatever. There's no humility anymore. It just is what it is. <laughs> The joy of having children. (laughs) And so did you guys do anything for Valentine's Day, though, or no? No, my husband broke his foot, so I have been, uh, yeah, he'll be fine. He's just on crutches and in the boot and everything. It's just we live hillside, and there are a million stairs, and, you know, our four-year-old can walk everywhere by herself. She's fine, but the 10-month-old who is, you know, like, a hundredth in percentile. He's so heavy. He's like the biggest baby in the world. So fat, so mm. stinking cute. He has to be carried up and downstairs. Well, you can't really carry a baby when you have crutches. So I'm on like full-time mom duty in terms of like cooking, cleaning, doing everything for the kids and working Man. and all the things. And then Gray is working too. So I'm having to help him like prep for work. And that was our Valentine's. We fell asleep watching the thing on the Cecil Hotel on the couch and woke up at midnight. We were like, I guess we should go to bed. That was our <laughs> Valentine's. <laughs> that was a typical night for us. How about, what did awesome. you guys do? Uh, had a couple's massage outdoors in my backyard and then picked up a meal kit from my friend's food. They're called Wolf's Mouth. And before the pandemic, they would always do these amazing dinner parties um, that has like, you know, years worth of uh wait lists behind it, but my friend is the head chef and he does all the, all the, the recipes and it's so cool. He did like a take home thing and it was unbelievable. The food is the most insane food I've ever tried. Yeah. I remember I've heard you talk about them before. They, they provide like this whole experience, right? Like it's, it's a full, like it's like a tasting experience. It's nine uh, courses normally. It's crazy. Um, but they're like, they're smaller size, but he is just a genius in like combining Mm -hmm. ingredients that you wouldn't even think would work together. And they're just so above and beyond. Like I'm drooling thinking about it now. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, I need to get more. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we did. And he brought me flowers and a card, which I'm oh, a sucker boy. for all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I got so. I got none of that. We had very different Valentine's Days. <laughs> I was like wiping babies' butts and doing dishes and then falling asleep on the couch. <laughs> 
talking about talking my booty about that hurts, that hurts still. My booty's uh, fine, by the way, just to be clear. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's... Yeah. Let's just take that one sound clip and Nothing then spread is that wrong. around. <laughs> Nothing currently is infected or irritated. All is healthy. <laughs> All is healthy. I just don't want to get another UTI, so I'm avoiding baths at all. And Every day I have to remind her why I can't take a bath. And every day she goes, <laughs> oh, it's because your booty hurts. <laughs> oh, God. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> should, we, should we talk about what we're here to talk about? <laughs> the actual podcast. <laughs> we have some great voice memos today that I'm excited to jump into. Um, as always, if you guys have any dilemmas that you want our help on, you need our completely unqualified, non-expert advice, please email us at incrediblypodcast at gmail. And you could be featured on one of our upcoming um, episodes. Uh, but on this episode, I'm very excited to my friends who I've known for a long time. I actually met them, believe it or not, I think I was 20 uh, I met Rob. He and, and Marisol had just gotten married, and they were so in love, like like couples goals for real. They've been together, I think, like twenty two years. They said or something. Yeah. Serious couples goals. They're still in love. I mean, I don't know what the secret is other than maybe finding your soulmate if that exists. Uh, but I met them in Atlanta. I used to be like one of these girls who would go around seeing like a bunch of bands and stuff, you know. You know mm -hmm. how you do when you're 20. And my friend and I, who were like groupies, like went with this band to like this party. And I literally, I met Rob and his wife, uh, Marisol, there. And they don't remember me at all, <laughs> obviously. Amazing. Like, hey, when I was 20, I met you at this party. I was friends with your opening band at the time. And they were like, cool. And then we re-met maybe... I don't know, five or six years ago here in LA because of our mutual friend, Randall Slavin, who is an amazing photographer. He has photographed Matchbox 20 millions of times um, and done like their album art and their press stuff and everything. So he knew that they were coming to town. They were playing a show at the forum and he was like, hey, they, they need some photos. Can you do makeup for Rob's wife? And I was like, yeah, sure, of course. We met and we were just like instant friends, like instantly. Amazing. And that's kind of like, Victoria, when you and I met, we were like, we became friends too. I'm just friends yeah. with all my clients, apparently, it seems. <laughs> I'm not really. We, you know, sometimes you just meet someone and you like have that connection with them. Yeah. And, um, she's awesome. So they agreed to do this podcast with us, which I'm super excited to have them on. Awesome. And you haven't met them yet. So no, I haven't. I'm so, I wish that it was under different circumstances and not like pandemic. I wish they were out here and we could like go to a show and, I you know. know. Someday, one of these days. Whenever um, life returns back to normal. Yeah, when is that going to be? Were you a groupie, though, like when you were younger? Uh, not really, because... You were in the group. <laughs> I <laughs> No, I just, I I kind of knew all the musicians and stuff. My parent, my dad has always worked in music, and so my parents, like, just got us passes to every show and I was backstage at every show and got all my friends in every show and was always side stage and stuff. It was a very different <laughs> kind of way. But I, yeah. but then though, there were certain bands though that yes, I was like a super fan. Like 
Weezer, forget about it. 311, oh, yeah. forget about it. And Weezer, I, you know, it, many years later, I then found out that Rivers Cuomo, lead singer of Weezer, for those of you who don't know, um, followed me on Instagram, or sorry, followed me on Twitter, and I flipped out. And yeah. I like DM'd him, and I was like, hey, like we're playing a show if you want to come. He's like, oh, I already have it marked on my calendar, and I'm planning to come. So when he, when, when I knew he was at that show, I went into like super fandom, like psychotic. I was like 12 years old again, just flipping out. And the biggest mistake was that my, our merch guy texted me before we went on stage saying, oh my God, Rivers is here. He's wearing a red vest. So the entire show, I'm scanning the crowd for red oh items God. of clothing. Yeah. And when I finally discovered him, my voice went up about four octaves while I was singing. <laughs> I was like, make them good. Oh my God, just <laughs> Like that, like I literally was in the middle of, of singing and flipped out. And then he came backstage and I couldn't stop sweating because I was so nervous. Oh, yeah. I was like freaking out. So definitely am a fangirl to answer your question. Yeah. Um, so you've, you've had it. was very just, select kind of. Right. Right. No. And I mean, the thing is now I don't really geek out over anybody. It's random people that I'll freak out if I meet like. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll meet big people and I'm like, eh, OK, yeah, I remember you and I were at that party once. Um, I can't remember whose party it was, but Ringo Starr was there. And mm-hmm. I'm a huge, you know, I'm a huge Beatles fan, have been always since I was teeny yeah. tiny. And when I met Ringo, because of you, mm-hmm. like literally you, you were like, oh, Ringo, do you mind? To, like, this is my friend, Carrie. And he turns around, he goes, I can't do a British accent. But he turns around and goes, hi, Mary, and gives me a hug. And I was like, whatever, I'm married <laughs> Just call me Mary. Oh, whatever you want. <laughs> I was like, hi, it's so nice to meet you. So he was when I geeked out over another, the only other person I've like freaked out and been like, I, I can't meet them. I can't do this was, and this is super dorky, but Larry David. Amazing. Yeah. I freaked out because I was at the, you know, I work with Adam Devine a lot and he uh, was nice enough to invite me and his stylist, Mercedes, um, we're all, you know, like this team that's been with him for a long time. He invited us to the premiere of Righteous Gemstones, which is his HBO awesome. show, which if you don't watch it, you should watch it. It's really good. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I don't just say that because he pays me to say that. Um, <laughs> it's a really good show. So we were at the premiere for that. And Larry David does Kirby Enthusiasm, which is on HBO. So he was also at this party and they had this like amazing party at the Paramount lot. And Mercedes and I, we didn't even know that each other was like big Larry David fans. And we both spotted him at the same time. I think we both did like the audible gasp. We were both like, <gasps> at the same exact time. And Adam was like, what? Like, what, what are you, like, what are you freaked out about? And we were both like, that, that's Larry David. Oh my God, that's Larry, why is he here? What's he doing? Oh my God, that's Larry David. And Adam was like, do you want me to go say hi to him and bring him over here? And we were like, no, 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 no. But would you? Yes. <laughs> like, will you please do that? So he did. He was like, yo, Larry. And like Larry walked over. It was completely awkward as it should be. And it Uh like fulfilled all my Kirby enthusiasm dreams of it being like the most (laughs) awkward moment ever, ever, ever. And Larry was just kind of like, hi. He like, I remember he had a drink in his hand and I I had my phone down by my waist and I was taking pictures. So dorky. (laughs) I'm not this dorky in life. But I had to geek out a little bit. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And literally all he did to me, he was like, this this is my friend Mercedes. Mercedes like went to shake his hand. I couldn't even do that. I was just like, hi. (laughs) Super awkward. And he like literally just went like, hey, and like lifted his drink up to kind of like air cheers me. Uh, And that was it. 
that was my meeting of Larry David. And then we were like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I was like, Adam, you're going to fire both of us because you're so embarrassed of us right now. And he was just like, I've never seen you act this way. Like, this is ridiculous. That's so funny. We, we geeked out real hard. I had an amazing experience, Larry David experience. I told you about this, didn't I? Yes. I was trying to get yeah. there that night and I didn't get there in time. Wait, right? no, I think, uh, no, I think it might've been a different part. Oh, there was another time. No, there was, when he was a separate comedy time, show, right? Or comedy yes. store? Yes. No, this is a separate time. Oh, good where Lord. Trent and I, we were at a, a birthday party for uh, Ed, Ed Bagley, the mm -hmm. actor. Um, and Larry David was there as well as Kramer. I don't know his real name. Michael and, Richards. Uh, yeah. Just tons of people, but it was the coolest thing. So we were, we were hanging out in the kitchen and, Trent is kind of like you, like super fan with Larry David. Like I'm a fan, massive fan, but like just not nervous type fan fandom. And um, and it was the coolest thing. We're hanging out in the kitchen. We're like, man, like I really want to talk to Larry David. But it's like kind of weird like because Larry David was like across the room. We're like, ah, yeah. do we want to be those people that come up and are like, hey, we like you, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was super awkward. And then as luck would have it, we're just standing around and literally Kramer – comes in in a very Seinfeld like stereotype like that like the character busts through the kitchen no. and goes straight to Trent and shakes his hands like hey hey how you doing blah blah, blah whatever and then shakes other people's hand I was standing further back so I didn't get the handshake um, and then Larry like just naturally kind of came closer and then uh, somehow we started I don't know how oh I think I just started talking to him and kind of introduced myself and I said Victoria Asher and he goes like oh do you know Peter Asher and I was like. That's my father. And he's like, I'm a huge fan of his Sirius XM show. And then we just started blabbing. And then like, and then he was so cool and like telling us about like his first times, like doing comedy shows and stuff like that. And, and Trent and I just like had like a great conversation. He was totally cool. God damn it. But it was just it. so funny. It Your encounter weirdest. is way cooler than my encounter. My encounter <laughs> is me like literally going, the <laughs> hi. And that was it. And we were both like, like eyes wide open, like, uh. <laughs> what's Kramer's real name again? Michael Richards. Michael Richards. Right? It was the I'm coolest right thing. It, it was so cool that he just came in and shook Trent's hand first. It was so weird. Oh, that's so nice. It, it's the random ones like that. Like, I've met other people and I'm like, okay, you know, yeah. cool. But yeah. every now and again, it, I think it's if you're like a super fan, you just lose it. And you're like, yeah. I can't contain myself. I can't be professional right now. I am, uh, you know. Totally. There's that what was, person. Well, it was the same thing with just even knowing that Rivers Cuomo was a fan of the yeah. band and stuff. I couldn't act normal. I was like, dude, I lived for your songs. I yes, yes I still Pinkerton is still, I think, the best album of all time. So <laughs> shout out to, to Weezer. Shout and out to Rivers Weezer. Cuomo. Exactly. <laughs> um well, anyway, we should get started. <laughs> We've got uh Rob and uh Marcel about to join us. So let's go ahead and get them on the line and get to our first dilemma. Hey guys, how's it going? Oh my gosh. Um, oh, uh, I'm, I'm as good as can be expected. How are you guys doing? Mommy on top of all this? I know, pandemic baby. I mean, it was great. I got to spend a lot of time with them, but not the most ideal time to deliver and be in a hospital. <laughs> i tell you that. Yeah. I was at the grocery store the other day and like, I, you know, I'm kind of in my own bubble, you know, I'm like, mm -hmm. and I don't mean it in the way that everybody talks about bubbles, but like, I'm in my own little world and I'm getting my groceries and I'm just kind of zooming around, you know, the world. And then this woman came up to start and, and like, talk to me. Like she passed me and we kind of like smiled and, you know, that's the normal exchange. 
But then she stopped and then started engaging with me. And I didn't know what the fuck to do. Like, I thought I was going to have a panic attack. She's just like, oh, my God, you know, I saw you at the beacon. Now, do, do you know my? And I'm just like, well, she's speaking to me. She's talking to me. No, no, don't talk to me. No, don't talk to me. How did you get recognized with, I'm assuming, a mask on? How did you get recognized? I, it's my neighborhood, though. Oh, okay. You know? Like, it's a okay. pretty neighborhoody neighborhood out here. So it's like, That's amazing. Who, I also right think here. it's Rob's hair. His hair always gives him away. Yeah. Oh, I was also wearing a shirt that says Rob Thomas on it. <laughs> <laughs> a tag that says, hi, my name is Rob. Yeah, yeah. I realized the mask was significantly cutting down on, you know, on the- I love it. Like, I'm Rob Thomas. Please ask me about what it's like to be Rob Thomas. <laughs> It was sent him into total panic attack. It really did. I don't know what to do. And then somebody once, I was in, I was picking up food in a, in, in a, at the diner, and this mm-hmm. family, I'm, this family was coming by with their food, leaving the diner, and I was waiting for someone to bring me food, and uh, and they stopped at my window and like wanted to take a picture, and I, but they didn't have a mask, and so I started to like really um, panic attack, and I grabbed my mask and I'm like, you know, rolling up the window while they're talking to me. And you don't want to be rude, but at the same time, you, you're legitimately scared. And, you know, we have to be so much more careful because of my health, sadly. I mean, everyone needs to be careful, but we, we're we on this much bigger high alert because with my autoimmune disease and all that, if I catch this, I'm fucked. And so yeah. that he has to be super careful. So it's really funny. Like, we, we see mouths outside in the, in, in the universe, and that makes us panic. Like, if we don't see oh, yeah. a mask, I'm just... Yeah, terrified. luckily people here, I mean, everyone here in our part, you know, in Westchester and in, in Bedford, it's pretty, you know, everybody's pretty masked up and everybody seems to follow the guidelines as best they can. I mean, I think that some people do some misguided things, but it's not purposeful and it's not, mm-hmm. you know, they're not trying to prove anything. They just, they feel like they're safe. Like if they go and, you know, and they're at a diner that to me would be way overcrowded indoors eating and to eat you have to have your mask off and everybody else around you has your mask off eating like to me mm-hmm. i'm not ready for that and I'm, i don't feel that that's safe yet um but i think when you go to stores here and you go to restaurants people do you know they, they mask up and they try mm-hmm. and you know they seem pretty uh considerate okay, okay is, that's good like, all my friends in florida it seems to be the opposite yeah can you imagine going to a restaurant right now and indoors and just not having i don't know i think it would be really weird. There's no way. I don't know when will be the next time that I'll ever feel safe again. Something that was so normal, you know, like every day. Now the idea terrifies me. Really, I know. Really- it is weird. Whenever I see people, if even if they're like walking outside or something and they don't technically have to have a mask on, I see their face. I feel like I'm like, oh, like it's almost like they're naked, you know? You're going to be seeing it, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Does it carry over? It carries over for me like sometimes now. If I watch television and movies and like I see a group of people gathering, I get like a little a, a mini. <laughs> totally. What's, what's going, oh, okay. It's probably safe. They're probably safe. I've had dreams like that, though, guys. Have you, where yeah. you have a dream? Yeah. You're like talking, you realize people don't have masks and you start getting nervous. Yeah. I had yeah. to hug somebody. Like I saw an old friend and I hugged him. It was Evan. And I, was, and I hugged him in the street and then I realized that we didn't have masks and I went into a full panic attack. And then like, oh. <laughs> Whereas I had a dream last night that my dog's back leg just randomly fell off and it was totally normal. So I don't know what that means. Oh my God. I'm sure we could get into that though if you want to. We could. We really could. Yeah. They could advise. They they have like the family of special need dogs. So they could advise you on what to do in case your dog's leg falls off. My dog became a tripod just walking. 
Carrie, when you when last you saw Sammy, he only had herniated discs. Now he yeah. has a ruptured. He fell, so he has ruptured discs and torn ACL. But he also has got cancer and renal failure, and then we've got heart failure. Like, if you need well, advice got on disease dogs, and epilepsy, and he's like, so here's the thing: like our our lockdown is. In some ways, you know, it's, it's not indicative of other people's, and we realize that. Like, we're really fortunate. We have a lot of space here. We have some land yeah. somewhere that we were able to kind of to be out on our own property. Um, we have space from each other when we need it, which is good. To- <laughs> um, but uh, at the same time, it's we have such a regimented day because of our special needs dogs that it's like you know, there's a nine o'clock. You, you, you got to be up by nine. Because at 11 o'clock, we have to give him IV fluids and he has to be like mm-hmm. for the IV fluids. And then he doesn't really want to eat. So it takes about an hour and a half to get him to eat. So from 11.30 to 1 is usually that eating. But then at 3.30, they got to get more meds. And at 5.30, they get more fluids. He gets more, oh, yeah. Well, there's, there's meds five times a day. So you got to oh be you know, day to give the medications. And then there's more fluids at 5.30 and both more medications. Uh, and it, so it's, it's like we can't leave the house for more than a couple of hours anyway. Um, yeah. But in some ways, we've been really, really fortunate that we're here. Like, I would be on the yeah. road, gone. Yeah. But, like, we've been able to just spend time really taking care of him and being here for him. Because we were told with both of them, between one with renal failure and the other one going into heart failure, time is not on our side. And so we've had right. this extra time, you know. Really lucky that one of our, our closest friends have... Um, uh, runs the Cinema Society. So he used to always have all the big premieres that happen here in New York that we get dressed up. Remember? Clothing and makeup. And- Remember that? Remember, Remember my career I used to have? What? The people on the carpet. Lucky that um, it's all it's all being done virtually. So we get all these invites and we just have to watch it within a certain period of time. And so right. like movie nights. So we'll like okay, we're going to cook tonight and then we're going to go sit and watch a premiere. So we kind of try to have those moments so that we don't lose it, you know? Yeah. So that's been kind of really lucky that we get these fun things sent to us. Yeah. It's it's like total, uh, you get a whole swag bag. Yeah. It's awesome. And by the way, we used to go to those premieres. We never got a swag bag uh, ever. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, we are. Yeah. So that's All you what got was finding. like bad food. So now we're just like finding <laughs> moments, you know, in between yeah. the craziness and the weird schedule. And because we can't see humans, we make these dates like, okay, tonight we're going to cook and we'll watch a premiere that was sent over to us by our friends. Yeah. Or There's a lot of work too. Like oddly, because like I can Zoom writing sessions. And so yeah. writing with uh, four other artists and with other artists more than I ever did before because I can do a couple of week just to, you know, for a few hours on, on the computer down in my studio. Um, That's true. Yeah. You don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. Right. And there's, and there's, and I'm finding that a lot of writers are really appreciating that more. Like I wouldn't, yeah. Ryan, my buddy Ryan was like, you know, he's finding new ways that he'll probably stay at home even when this is over because Mm-hmm. If I wanted to go like on a writing tear, I would have to go to Nashville for a couple of weeks and set it up or go to LA for a couple of weeks and set it up. Now it's, I was writing the other day. We had one guy from Nashville was in Nashville. One girl was in Holland. And then I was, yeah. in, we were all writing for, for this girl's record. But so I think like, a lot of people cool. learning that like yeah. you in corporate America, I'm hearing that a lot of people have decided even when this is over, change that dynamic because people are more efficient and they're happier because they get to be home and and of course they'll go into the office but it won't be what it used to but it's musicians especially songwriter i mean obviously not touring but songwriting it would mean you know 
if you, let's say it was LA, you lose just a few days just traveling. Mm-hmm. So all these guys and girls are learning, holy shit, I can get so much more accomplished. This went down to a studio downstairs. It's like, I did more in this week than I would accomplish in like And I don't months. even have to wear pants. <laughs> Not like real pants. <laughs> Pitch pants. <laughs> clothing like this is the look see oh super comfy that's it oh if you felt this it's all fleecy and yucky. it looks so comfy that's, yeah i had to do a corporate gig like on on for vir- like a virtual corporate gig and i had to like really i had to wear like you know tight jeans and a real shirt because it was like <laughs> I, I, I was so uncomfortable it was <laughs> i think I think from now on, when the world opens up again, my whole thing is going to be like fucking CeeLo Green. I'm just going <laughs> to all the way through. Rocking out on that's, stage. That's the only thing I'm ever going to wear anymore. A velour. I just imagine CeeLo Green in like a green velour jumpsuit. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. I, every, I have clothes. Everything's about self-care products. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wine. Oh, wine. Oh, Yeah. See, I don't drink, but I've I've started going down the road since it's legal in California of doing like edibles. Right. So for me, it's like half a gummy at night to chill out instead of like a glass of wine. So, oh, we do that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have an excuse because I I do smoke before bed, but remember, it's it was medically. Yeah, it's medicinal marijuana, and I have anxiety, so you know. I have an excuse as well that I really just like to get high. exactly well you guys thank you so much for joining and agreeing to participate in this podcast that has yet to be released (laughs) the idea of the podcast um i was telling maddie about this that is that we are going to have a um caller send in a voice memo Mm -hmm. and then about like whatever dilemma whatever problem they're having and then we'll play the dilemma and then um kind of discuss and give our advice and just a fun banter about like you know from our own personal experiences I love that. Oh, I those love four it. people, we're, the, we're going to be their therapist? Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, my God. Telling people my opinion is one of my favorite things. That's what yes. describing us. We are completely unqualified, but literally yeah. love to give our I have opinion. so many thoughts on so many things. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, so should we jump right Bring in? Bring on the poor souls. I'm going to play the dilemma, and then we will talk. I have a problem. I absolutely love my husband, but I cannot stand sleeping in the same bed as him. Between the dog and him and the snoring, I just don't sleep well. And recently I've heard about something called sleep divorce and I was just wondering, it sounds terrible. I mean, I never want to divorce my husband, but this sleep divorce thing has me kind of like, hey, maybe this isn't a bad idea. Have you guys heard about this? What are your thoughts? Have you guys heard of sleep divorce? No, but I, I, I imagine sleep divorce, right? was just the idea that you guys are married and you love each other and everything's fine, but you sleep in different beds. I think so. I think throwing divorce in makes it sound really aggressive and like there's a problem and you're splitting up, but I don't think that's what it is. I also don't think it's like the 1950s version of two bedroom no. room either. No, I think that well, it wouldn't help with the snoring. I'm assuming mm. they just after at night say, Bye, and go into separate rooms. You know, my first thought, though, would probably be try and find a way maybe to, to help his snoring problem. It's like, well, I, well like this, he's snoring too much. I can't go to sleep. My only option is to not sleep with him ever again. 
Like, that doesn't seem right. I feel like you could probably do something about the snoring. Yeah. We, not a snoring situation, but we have a similar situation that Rob has restless leg syndrome. Sure. Sounds like, oh, it's a little annoying. It's insanely annoying if it's 3 o'clock in the morning and suddenly the whole bed moves and, and you get whacked and the, one of the puppies goes flying. So... We, I didn't sleep divorce him because again, I'm with you. That sounds very aggressive. Um, but we did two things, and we also have dogs in the bed too, so we understand like yeah. that's a thing too. Uh, but our boys take up; they're not big, but you, you know, they're not big, but they take a lot of real estate. Um, that we've just committed to because we kind of love it having them. But we did two major things. One, we got a better mattress. Yeah, we got a, a hybrid mattress that. Like literally, you know, you can't feel anything. Like people get up and out of the bed, they move around, and the other person can't feel it at all. The it's dog can jump awesome. on and off. We don't feel it. Maddie gets up and goes to the bathroom in the middle of the night. You don't even notice it. Like that was a big change that as far as one. being able to to not have everything else that happens in the bed upset your sleep, right? Movement wise. And, and then the second thing we did is let's get to the bottom of why it is that you're kicking and doing karate chops in the middle of the night, and we did. His doctor said it had something to do with his feet. Now, and he had him start wearing these therapy slippers. Oh my God, guys. I need you to see him. Put him on. Put no, him but on. I have, but I don't have the socks on. Usually he wears them with socks, and it is it is so rock star, it's guys. It's comfortable. It's he looks like a 90-year-old man who retired somewhere on a beach and just stopped giving a shit. I but, don't care. What are you going to do? Sleep divorce me? But here's the thing. He's wearing these silly things, and I used to be fun of him. And also, we're not the most graceful couple. We're always falling. And I can't he's going to trip and fall. But he's been wearing these things. It's helped so much. It has something to do with his arches. And it's made a huge difference. Now, I will say, you know, it's funny. So, Molly and I, this is, is, is only, like, loosely related, but we have we have separate bathrooms. That's Which is, I mean, it is. That That's is, just a dream. Yeah, that is a <laughs> changer if you could pull that off. Like, I just, you know, I took a guest room and just kind of turned that guest bathroom into my Well, you made a dressing my room bathroom. slash yeah. bathroom. Um, and that was kind of a game changer for everybody to just kind of go to their corners and be able to take care of, of themselves and not have, you know, somebody right up on you. But I think time. that's totally different. Like, for, I think that having that little space to yourself, like he turned, he, he needed a dressing room because he has all his stage clothing, all of that. And then that bathroom became his. So we go to our separate corners, have alone time. Alone time is wonderful. You were bathroom divorced. We're, but, but... <laughs> I neither. The reason we want to work it out is we don't feel comfortable with the idea of not sleeping together. So mm -hmm. I feel like before you get go that far, try to see if there are things you can do to help the situation prior, like we did with the mattress. Yeah, sometimes we're busy. We're still busy all day, and then I work, and I work late into the night. And that's like the only time that we hang out. Like we look forward to yeah. like we finally get back together, and we cuddle, we cuddle up in bed. Like I don't know. I guess, I guess that just depends on how much that sleep time really means to you. You know, yeah. the together time anyway. See, I wonder, when did it become a thing to sleep in the bed with your partner? Because, you know, like you were saying in the 50s, obviously, people would have uh, two twin beds side by side. I mean, that was more because of like, I don't want to say modesty, but it was just more of like a prudish society where it was like, oh, you don't 
you know, sleep in the same bed with that person. You have your own bed. But when did that become a thing? I wonder that you have to, or there's like a problem or. You mean like the perception that there's something wrong in the relationship just because they're sleeping in separate beds or why just because you get married that you have to share a bed. Maybe that's about procreation. The other flip side of that is like, you know, I'm sure all of us, especially, you know, people in New York and LA, we have, we know couples that spend a, a lot of time living in different houses. They yeah. you know, they where they work that you know that's how it works or they, don't, you know, they travel all the time like i mean i you know and maybe that's it too though like you know we spend months and months where you know in a year where we're not sleeping in the same bed because i'm somewhere on a bus and she you know uh and so we kind of enjoy that time when we're together that we can yeah um, but also like, you're right there no one should be defined by what is the norm because yeah. what is the norm, really the norm is whatever works for you mm-hmm if at the end of the day they do decide they're just happier sleeping apart, but they're still a great couple, then do it. Maybe she should get a new husband. <laughs> <laughs> That's the solution. <laughs> this is this is highly unqualified. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say so. I as far as like you know comparing to the norm or whatever. I mean, I actually have never lived with a boyfriend. Surprisingly, um, I was in a relationship for seven years. We never officially lived together, and it somehow just was never something that I even cared or thought about. Yeah, years you'd have sleep overnights, right? Like where somebody would stay at the other place. Totally, and we spent most of our time all the time together anyway. But I'm saying though, I I actually I think about if I were to live with someone, I think absolutely I would need my own space um, because. That's just important to me. I do like, and, uh, and for my boyfriend now, I know that he needs his space. So if we ever did live together, I would definitely want like separate areas to just kind of like go do our own thing and then come back together. I love sleeping in the same bed with my boyfriend. And I feel like that I would always want that to continue, but there have been moments where he, he has restless leg syndrome too, actually, but he, so he, and he's the type that he doesn't like to cuddle to go to sleep. Like he requires space. And there have been times where like, we've gone and stayed at my parents' house and we have a queen bed. Whereas like at my house, I have a king, which is enough space for me from him. Um, but in the queen, he's just, he requires so much space. Like he just, he always like needs to spread out. And I just snuck out into the guest bedroom. Like he fell asleep and I was like, ah, I'm not sleeping. And I just went to the guest bedroom. I think that's totally fine. Personally, like if, if you're, if it's like you guys are hanging out in bed and then he starts snoring and you're just like, oh my God, like to go another bed, I just don't think it should be judged. I used to do that when the, like the dogs would like when Tyler would, used to wake me up in the morning and we would go down and so like, like five, you know, four or five in the morning until we got up, I would just go sleep on the couch with him. No, yeah. he leave you, come back up and sleep yeah, with well, me. Yeah, I mean, this, this dog that would get me out of bed, take me down to the couch, make me go to sleep with him on the couch. And then when I would fall asleep, he would get off the couch and go back to bed. <laughs> Take his space next to yeah. me. Yeah, he was trying to get you out of the bed. That was, he was smart. Totally. Yeah. But I'm totally with you in that I think the most important thing in any couple is that you do have your own space. Whether, I don't, this is not necessarily for sleeping, but just generally, we've been together 22 years. Mm. I If we did not have the luxury of having our own spaces, I, I don't know that either of us wouldn't have lost our minds. You know, like you really do. And he has a studio downstairs, and that's his space. Mm-hmm. I have my office, and that's mine. We have our own bathrooms, like I said. And so I think those things are important. Like, we have days where, honestly, we won't see each other until dinner time. You know, mm-hmm. like, we'll 
we'll do meetups and like, okay, we know we have to give the baby IV fluids. So we'll text each other and go, okay, we'll meet at this time because it takes two people. But then we go back to having our day and that's great. And then we'll have certain days like yesterday where it's just all about hanging out together and watching Yeah, movies. a lot of times like we like today, we've been running around the house, we've been just communicating via text. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, I think as, as far as advice for the caller too, that it's, I think put aside, you know, any kind of judgment that you might feel like, oh, this, this is weird. Like, oh, if we're not sleeping in separate beds, there's something wrong with our relationship or whatever. Um, and have a talk with your partner. And if you really feel like having separate beds, um, is important to you and, you know, you list the reasons why, and hopefully they don't get offended and they understand you. I think that's just completely valid. If both parties are the couple agree with something then there's there's nothing unhealthy about it no yeah I mean, that, that can extend to almost anything if, if you guys have an agreement and it's something that you guys are both you know makes you happy then it really doesn't matter what other people would do that's just that's the way you guys roll you know Hey guys, Carrie here. Sorry to interrupt. I just want to take a quick second to tell you about a new favorite product of mine. It is a facial wand called the Sola Wave. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I'm obsessed with it. I already use it all the time, but let me tell you why I love it. The Solo Wave is a five-minute facial tool that combines microcurrents, red light therapy, and warming massage. It helps to boost collagen, reduce acne and hyperpigmentation, fade wrinkles, and fine lines, but my favorite part of the Solo Wave is that it helps to amplify the absorption of the serums and moisturizers that you already use. Most Solo Wave users see results within two weeks. But I'm not kidding when I tell you that I noticed results within one use. And the lovely people at Solo Wave have given us a discount code, especially for this podcast, that is CARRIEU10. That's K E R R I E U. And then the number 10. And that is 10% off to try the solo wave. Trust me when I tell you, you will not be disappointed. On our Instagram, I will also be doing a demo of the product so you can see it in action. Okay, back to the show. Whatever works for you. Just communicate with your partner and there are no wrong answers. If you end up you know, having a separate room, if you have that luxury, if you have that space in your house and that's how you sleep better, then I think you just explain to your partner, you love them and it, it's nothing personal, but you need to sleep on your, in your own space. Well, yeah, it's always good when your partner is, is more to you than just that guy. That's the reason I can't sleep. Right. <laughs> if you don't have a in the morning, you're just drinking coffee and you're just like looking across the table like, I fucking hate you and I don't know why. <laughs> if that could go away, that's like stick to the relationship. The snoring and the kicking. I think kicking some, yeah, that would be. The, the mattress was a game changer. Do you what know what mattress? Of, yeah, what mattress? <laughs> it's like this crazy hybrid of everything. It was, it was, it was a Tempur-Pedic. Okay. It was like the, it's the foam with the coils. With, with something else. With like had, eight layers of. Uh, had eight or nine layers of different things. I, I oh my God. But there's a lot. Of, I we, we went to go find a mattress. It turned. It was like the hardest thing in the world. Like you start going on, you just figure, oh, you know, just get a fucking mattress. And you go on. Fucking <laughs> anxiety. And there was just like 14 million different uh, articles about this is why the best mattress. And this is what you got to really look at. And you got to And then, you like, and by the way, it's so COVID. So we can't go out and just like try a mattress out. Try them. I know. We were nervous. We didn't know what we were going to get, but we did a lot of research. Yeah. 
<laughs> a deep dive on the mattress research. <laughs> what else is there to do? Um, do you guys have time to do one more? Are you in a rush to get off? Um, yeah, I got a minute. Okay, let's do um, one more. I think this one is a little bit, it's a little bit heavier, but um, okay. I'm gonna, I actually haven't listened to it all completely. I just started it. Um, so this will be the first time for all of us to hear it. Okay, ready? Last September, I lost my brother to cancer. It was a slow and painful process, and when he finally passed at age 32, there was grief mixed with relief that he's no longer suffering. But now that we are a few months past the initial shock, things seem to be worse. My sister-in-law is already dating new men. One of them even seems serious, and that feels way too fast. She doesn't even seem to miss my brother. This is tearing me and my mom apart inside. We both want her to wait for her two kids' sake. My nieces are six and eight. And also for us, it feels like she's forgetting about my brother's memory, which is just complicating our grief. And we can't help but wonder if she knew these men before, since my brother's life was clearly ending. Did she have men waiting in the wings? I'm feeling resentful toward her either way. And now I'm feeling that I'm losing her too, and that my relationship with my nieces may suffer. Kind of heavy. Yeah. Wow. That's- what do you like, guys think? Which angle Start. do you come in on? Like, first, I think that there's obviously there's two different relationships in play, and there's two different dynamics in those relationships. The relationship between a brother and a sister and a mother and a son is a different relationship than one between a wife and a husband. And whatever understandings that happen, between a wife and a husband during that time, they had to have had conversations about certain things. They had to have conversations about a future that he wasn't going to be around in, especially if they were together knowing that he wasn't going to be around. You, you have no idea what their reality was like every day and what their understanding of what I would imagine. Like if this were me, I would be talking to Madi about after I passed away that I would want her to be happy, that I wouldn't want her to, to you know, because you, the the morning doesn't start the day that he passed away. The morning started long before that because it was an inevitable thing that was going to happen. But you're also assuming that all couples have a relationship that is that open in terms of communicating and talking about that. I know some people, when it comes to talk, in terms of talking about the future and death, they want to talk about it fully and they want the other one to to move on and they want them to make plans and other people don't want to talk about it at all it makes it too real and so they don't speak about it until the end so i i don't know i feel like that is in itself an assumption that they even had this conversation that's true um it does feel like it feels like it feels like kind of overstepping to me. It's really hitting her now because I think when you're watching someone suffer and, and you know they're going to leave you, you are are so consumed with this idea and, and for those few moments you have this, like, they're at peace, I'm at peace. But then it really hits you. And I know this is true because it's happened to me where suddenly it hits you in a wave when you thought you were kind of okay. Um, and I think that what she's really dealing with is her grief. You know, and the idea that she's never going to see her brother again. This person meant everything to her. And now she's questioning, does that mean that he wasn't as important to his wife as he was to me? So I, I in a weird way, I don't, I can't pretend to even understand the wife's decision yeah. versus, because I, and I know some people will go years without ever dating and some date right away 
and we can't judge. We all have our personal opinion on what we would do. But I don't even know that this is so much about her sister-in-law as it is about her and her trying to grasp the idea that she lost something so important and anger that other people aren't seeing it as important as her. Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. It's almost like the implication is that let me uh, let me write out a list, and here's my list of what I think is the appropriate. This is the appropriate time for you to grieve. This is the appropriate time for you to be alone. This is the appropriate way for you to handle the aftermath of, of your husband passing away. And you follow these instructions because this is what I would do if I were going through it. I think, you know, and I, I just think that it's that's a when you start imposing your sense of morality onto someone else. Well, it would be the same as even if, even, would tell even me. during a shared tragedy. I think you know that shared tragedy is, is affecting these two people at the same time in two very different ways, I'm sure. I, I can't help but think that the biggest takeaway for me is that, yeah, all forms of grief are different. And, you know, it's unfortunate that she's handling it this way that doesn't, you know, work with you and what you th and how you think she should be handling the grief. But I think cut a little slack and realize that this person is probably hurting. And while they might not be addressing it fully and are replacing it with like other forms of affection, it doesn't mean that your brother's life was not you know, of, of value to her, you know? Rob, I think what you said really um, stuck out to me that, uh, that they don't start grieving the day that someone dies. Like if you know that someone is about to pass, if there's stage four, there's nothing they can do and it's just a matter of time, the grieving process starts because you know that your life is going to be different. You know, you're not going to have that person. You know that you're going to have to raise your children alone. And I think, and also it depends, we don't know the whole backstory. So we don't know how sick this person was for how long, like how long the, the wife like was going through this process and everyone grieves differently for sure. We don't know if she, um, like she says, she thinks they're getting sick, like that some of these are serious, but we're not really sure how serious these relationships yeah. are either. I mean, they were going to seem very serious from that point of view and coming from, you know, with, with that mindset. But the truth is they might not be, it might just be, you know, after all of this sadness all the time, this woman went out and she found someone who was just really nice to her and made her kind of feel good, made her feel like, you know, a person. And so there, she was just kind of enjoying the company of someone else that doesn't involve sadness and, and death. That still seems like too much for her. I mean, we don't, again, we, it's hard without all the variables to, to say. She's worried about losing contact with the nieces, but that's really going to be on her. If she decides set up the nieces out of her life because of what the mother's doing, then that's what she's going to wind up doing. Or she'll just have to, you know, like a lot of families, be unhappy with her sister with her sister-in-law's decisions, or, but still let the nieces be a part of their life. But uh, do you think, guys, that maybe what she was trying to say there is that her fear is that if her sister-in-law does get serious right away with someone new, and they move on and start a new life and a new family, that somehow now her nieces will not really be a big part of her life or sure. the grandma's life. Or even psychologically so, that, that sister-in-law is the link to her brother. And if that moves away and she doesn't have that closeness, then she loses that relationship with her brother as well. Mm -hmm. Like the very last, you know, like the old Chinese proverb that you die twice. You die once when you have a physical death and then you die the last time that anybody ever says your name is your final death. And so if you kind of feel like maybe that's how she feels in this relationship, if she loses that closeness and she doesn't have that, then, then she doesn't have her brother for real. And that's the last link to it. Totally. And I also was just going to say that there's a theme with both of these dilemmas that called in, that it's a bit like, fuck the, you know, the pressure of how people think you should do things. 
do what, you know, is right for you, not in a selfish, you know, bad human kind of way, but in a way that like it may, can help your life and hopefully, you know, the other people around you can accept it. And I would feel like in this time too, like in this time in particular, if I, if I were alone, I would be like, I would feel tenfold alone. Uh, that I, you know what I mean? And during now, when everybody, even with, with people in your life, you know, during this time without connection in the ways that we're used to it, you feel so alone. I caught, like, I wouldn't imagine actually physically not having anyone and just being there in this empty house with the ghost of, of your husband, uh, you know, as your only friend. Yeah. I mean, when I lost my mom, I went to a spiral for a long time and we weren't even that close, but I think that was part of the spiral. Well, I think that made it worse that you had, he had such a um, difficult relationship with his mother who was not an easy person. And they, you know, he, they didn't have a, he, him growing up was pretty much him on his own a lot. And I think that that made her passing far worse than had they been super close. Um, A lot of people in my mom's life that I kind of knew through her who got really just became really really upset when I wasn't really a part of their life and didn't because I was the link to my mom for them and then we had that they would come to shows and then but then they would you know there there would be this whole I don't know what what to me was just too much of their burden on me Mm -hmm. that I I, and I had my own I was dealing with it my own way and wasn't healthy but it was mine and I had to deal with it and I you know I had a lot of people kind of unhappy that I wasn't there enough for them and for their grief. Anyway you were trying so hard to just figure out and he finally realized that the reason he was in such a spiral is because he would never get to have a closure or healing that in his mind he had dreamt about having one day with her. And I think when he finally healed was when he finally realized he could have lived to be a hundred and that wasn't going to happen. It was just something that he held on to and that child held on to. And so when she left, all of a sudden he, didn't have that anymore and I think that's when you went into that spiral and he had to process that in his own time you know it it wasn't going to be someone else telling him to do it and I think that like this woman during time of COVID who is isolated like you said a single mom watched her husband dying for god knows how long and maybe she just needs something it's a very finite amount of time that you that you have here you know and I think losing someone like that makes you realize that even more and so, like, when when are you supposed to wait to find happiness? If if you if it's if you see it, like, do you not do you not say yes to happiness if it's right there in front of you because you don't feel it's appropriate for someone else, or you or you don't think that like uh, the standards of society wouldn't allow you to do that, you know? Or do you just take the happiness because it's right there? And what a gift is happiness if you find it, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. I find, and I and I read somewhere else it was someone said this, so it didn't make me feel crazy. I started to get really depressed. Watching other people's, you know, highlight reels of their of their life, and like even though I knew for a fact that that's not necessarily all true, and that people are putting their best lives out there, you know, even if that's not you know twenty four hours of their life, but seeing all of this, like when I wasn't feeling that, it made me feel like there was something wrong with me, and I found myself purposely just not going on social media, not checking out Instagram, not checking out my friends' feeds, not checking out anything. You know, I'll just I'll just text them and see how they're doing. But like, I I, I was having a visceral, real, emotional reaction to Instagram, and I had to kind of pull off of it. And I still have like for a while. I think I think last last week I'm averaging like a minute a, a day, like a minute a day of uh, 
of Instagram. That's only when I'm posting mm-hmm. like my song of the day or something for work. You're not alone with that. Uh, Carrie and I actually years ago did like a anti-social media thing because we were both realizing how much we were comparing our lives to other people. And um, I keep deleting the app from my phone as well. And just like occasionally looking at it from a web browser, which is more limited um, because I think especially the Instagram stories, that's where you can just stay on forever. You can just blop, 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 blop. It's terrible. How many ways social media can be so helpful? Like with, I, I, with my foundation and but it could also just be so harmful. And especially think about it. If this is a grown man who, who's had a good life and who is is successful in what he does and yet he can watch it and feel depressed. So what about all these kids out there who are just figuring out who they are, don't know who they are, and they're watching all this bullshit, you know, and really thinking this is, I mean, the, the amount of, young kids killing themselves now like it's shocking to me when you hear about a kid who's like nine and you're like how is this possible nine-year-old suicide i think in in, uh oklahoma texas yeah who at nine even knows about suicide you know what i mean like how is that even on the radar perspective on it you just have this feeling right like imagine having that feeling of wanting to end it without the perspective of the finality of what that really really means that's a dangerous combination, yeah. you know, because you're, you're kind of thrust in this world and the social media, it's the same world that the adults live on. So you're getting some of the same emotional content but that's coming ready. at you, but you're not prepared for it because you don't have perspective on how that fits into the rest of life. Yeah. You know? I, I think I couldn't have handled having social media as a kid. I was totally the kind of goth girl, you know, awkward enough in, you know, real life social situations. But if you had to deal with a whole other social network online and all these places to be judged and, you know, messed around with. I don't know. I think I was way too sensitive for that kind of thing. Yeah, no, I, mean, I was lucky because if we didn't fit in, we would just go find a small group where we fit in. And that was our exactly. Yeah. Exactly. One of everybody else that wasn't us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm so, I've said this a million times. I'm so glad that I did not grow up in the social media age. It just would not have been healthy. I feel like as an adult, it's not healthy most of the time, you know, but I think taking breaks is great. I haven't been on it very much either. I've tried to limit my time because even though I've got everything that I want and that I could need, it still makes me look at other people's lives and go, oh, I don't have that. I haven't been there. I haven't done this or I don't, you know, I'm not at this level yet. Why do we do that? It doesn't help anything, you know? It leaves you completely despondent and you just want to give up. And it's I'm just lucky. Like, my, so my, I have a 22 year old son, and uh, he's got a very good head on his shoulders and doesn't really get taken in. Like, to him, it's just all this kind of silliness. And so he, he'll go away from it for weeks and just not really pay attention to it, you know? And then he'll be like, oh, yeah, I forgot to post. I didn't post, you know, for his, I'm like, I'll tell him something like, you need to post for your band, you know? You need to post about this this new single you have on Spotify or whatever. It's so funny. Like, ah. his, he's the most well-adjusted kid, you know, and I remember when Rob had him quite young and when he did, everyone's thinking, oh, he's coming from, you know, him and his mom were not together. And he's like, oh, this kid's going to be so screwed up. And he's a college graduate and he's got, he's more mature, I think, than his dad sometimes. What? What? <laughs> there was this kind of little tie-in, even though they seem so completely different. There really does come back to there's no such thing about what's the norm and what's the right thing. It's it's an individual thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. You do you. 
when whatever yeah. works best, you're not hurting anybody, then great. Yeah. Except if you're in public, you wear a mask. It's just the right thing to do. <laughs> well, that's hurting yeah. someone now. That's hurting someone. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if it doesn't hurt anybody else and you're not hurting yourself, then there's no such thing as social norm. Just do what makes you happy. Thank you guys so much. We kept you way too long. I just love talking to you and I miss you guys. And Good to see you last time I was out in LA, we had seen Randall. I think that you were. I, I, think, I think I was in New York when you were here. Yeah, because we talked about it and I told you we were having dinner with Randall and Val and you were not in town. I mean, was, and we were like, oh, ago. that's okay. We'll be back. <laughs> You were like, well, don't worry. Rob has another show, and we'll see you then. And and then the pandemic, <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully, Rob, you'll go on tour, and I'll see you guys in LA, or I'll see you in New York at some point. Victoria, it was nice to meet you. Yeah, I was gonna say it's so nice to meet you guys. And I and speaking of social media, I'm gonna follow, find you guys on there anyway. Yeah, <laughs> even though social media is a mess. Um, no, but I'll find you and follow you too. <laughs> It was really nice to meet you guys. And thank you so much for taking the time. This was awesome. Harry, keep me posted. I will. I will for sure. Thank you guys again. Stay safe, guys. All right, you too. Bye. Bye. That was awesome. Thank you so much, Rob and Marisol. Man, they were great. It was so nice to like meet them in the weird pandemic way, but they're awesome. I know. They're so great. How lovely of them to take so much time and, you know, give some really great advice. So much of what they were saying, I was like, yes, that's exactly, that's how I feel too, you know? Yeah. But I also love that they have cute dogs and how I cool know. that, um, I know we didn't really talk about it, but that Marisol has an awesome dog rescue. She so does. Cool. She has Sidewalk Angels, which is a charity um, based around helping rescue dogs. And they bring a lot of dogs like from Mexico and like from, you know, all over the place they rescue them to help give them a better life and get them the medication that they need. And they have their own personal rescue dogs um, who are, they always say this to their very special needs. And they are, they have like a ton of medical conditions <laughs> and they literally are saving their lives. They do so much for them to keep them going. And they're just, they're really good people. And I, I mean, anyone that's dog people though, too, it's like, yes, the best. I know the best. I want to rescue all the puppies. They're so all sweet. the puppies in the world. <laughs> I know. I'm like, they can all come live with me. And then I have like too many dogs. And I'm like, okay, this is too much. <laughs> but they're so exactly. sweet. Uh, but um, thank you again to the, to Robin Marisol. Uh, and thank and you thank guys you for to listening. All of you. Yeah. <laughs> Great minds think alike. Thank yeah. you to all of our listeners. And all two of you. <laughs> <laughs> being us. I'm just yeah, um, and maybe my parents. Maybe that's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and please follow us on Instagram. Our Instagram is completely underscore unqualified underscore podcast. Podcast. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> that was correct, though. Completely unqualified podcast. podcast. Yeah. And please be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our Instagram is completely underscore unqualified underscore podcast. And if you also have a dilemma that you would like our advice on, please email us at incrediblypodcast at gmail.com and you can be featured on one of our next up and coming episodes. Woo! Woohoo! Thanks guys for tuning in for another great episode and we will see you back here next week. 
Awesome. Yay. Bye.